Thanks, thanks for coming. Bless you. Good to see you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for coming tonight, guys. I know you're all super busy, and it's so good we come to hear the Word. There's something about uh, putting Him first. We're communicating that we love Him. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And all these people that drive for so far to be where you need to be, uh, that's priceless, isn't it? And that story, what a great testimony. Man, oh man, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. You know, I got in this in 1970, and uh, my mother went so wholeheartedly into it that we went to church almost every night, like 70 through 73, church every night. I thought my mother had lost her mind. I mean, I thought, so how's this work, Mom? Church is once a week, not every single night of the week. But boy, we were hungry for the word. You know how it was back then. You're just there was such a hunger. I remember at Rama 41 years ago, standing in line with it sleeting, uh, with the sleet going down the back of your neck. You didn't think anything about it, trying to get in line to go here to the service. But but my mom was like that. We went to Shreveport, Louisiana, this uh, church called Life Tabernacle. Didn't mean that much to me, but as we walked in, I didn't know it was the headquarters for the Voice of Healing. You had pictures of William Branham, uh, Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, that whole move from the 50s where they had so many radical miracles. And I was like, I didn't even have any idea that was the headquarters of the Voice of Healing until uh, you know, years later, but we're just privileged. So it's worth it to go uh, to hear the Word. There's something about the Word of God that absolutely changes you. And I say, said it this morning, I listen on YouTube to Brother Hagen uh, several messages per week, sometimes two or three a day if I I can. You can't do that in everything you do. When I'm at home, I might be mowing. I'll put on Brother Hagen and listen to the Word. I'm bombarding myself with the Word. The atmosphere that you're in and the climate that you're in. How many of you at work did somebody tell you this week, greater is He that's in you than He is in this world? You know, at work, it just doesn't happen like that. So you've got to overwhelm yourself with the Word. Well, the climate may be weird right now, but that's no big deal. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Come on. He said, there'll be tribulations. Don't worry. I've overcome. Hallelujah. He said, a greater one than Solomon is here. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Wow. And then Jesus gave us authority. He said, all authority. Isn't that amazing? He conquers death, hell, and the grave. And he, he raises us from the dead and goes over and goes, oh, by the way, I just got all of this and I'm giving it to you. If we could see the protocol that comes with all of that authority and all that reigning uh, from a scepter of righteousness, that we would put that to work in our lives. We wouldn't allow anything to mess around with us. we say, oh, in the name of Jesus, I command this to leave. In the name of Jesus, it would buoy up on the inside of us how radical it is what we possess. I think of Brother Shambach. You know, we'll get to end times here in a second, but I think of Brother Shambach and uh, working for A.A. Allen. I mean, they were so crazy. They did kind of showtime, go time. You know, back in the 40s and 50s, it was kind of the showtime, go time stuff. And Brother Shambach would introduce Brother Allen. He'd go, folks, every single one of you are in the big tent tonight. I tell you, every one of you are going to get healed. When you hear the word of God, it's going to bless you and help you. I mean, and then they turned over to Brother Allen. He'd get up and go, I tell you, God is a good God. And somebody possessed of the devil would come down. And they'd, he'd take his knee and snap his back like that. It'd come out of him. Crazy, crazy miracles, 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 miracles. So many to the point that Brother Shambach had a meeting and a guy died in the service and they said they brought him up to him, Brother Shambach's preaching. He said, well, stick him behind the curtain. I'm doing my service right now. So the man that goes home to be with the Lord is dead. They stuck him behind the curtain. Brother Shambach forgot about it. He got to the hotel. He's laying in bed. He goes, oh my God, we forgot to raise that man up. Had to put his clothes on, go back to the meeting, go behind the podium. The guy's still laying there. He walks up to him and says, in the name of Jesus, come alive. And the guy comes alive. I mean, just so is that no big deal to go raise somebody from the dead? Brother Shambach had a guy that uh, had a continual miracle, and Brother Shambach was going to start his church in New Jersey, and he wrote an article about Jesus, and he said the name Jesus too much for them. Kind of freaked him out. 
So he said, okay, I'll tell you what, I've got a phenomenon. I didn't call it a miracle, I called it a phenomenon. He had a guy that had a glass eye that could continually see out of the glass eye. It was a continual working of miracles. And Brother Shambach said, okay, I'll tell you what, if you can disprove my miracle here, uh, you don't have to write my article about Jesus. But if you can't disprove it, you've got to write my article about Jesus. So they got all these <laughs> uh, eye doctors in and everything. They got all these patches on his good eye, you know. And so they got the, the glass eye, and they put stuff in front of him, and he, he reads it. They put it over here on the side over here, and he reads it. and said, well, he's just got good peripheral vision out of this one. They taped the good eye up to the point, man, you can't see anything. He goes, well, hold on a second. Let's take it one step further. He pulled that glass eye out and read out of the socket in his head so he could see without even a fake eyeball because the fake eyeball ain't working come on it's it's god needless to say they wrote his article about jesus hallelujah i was preaching in joaquin texas years ago and that man had been there the week before i was there i said did he pull his eye out they said oh he sure did freaked us all out <laughs> so it still was going for 25 more years he's still seeing out of an eye that's fake He's the God that's more than enough. You met him. Come on. Isn't that amazing? So see, we're not crazy. I tell you, that's just too wild, isn't it? I mean, you almost think it's like, could that really be? It really can be. Amen. He's more than enough. More than enough. More, we, we so sometimes put limitations on him, but let's not. So let's pick up where we were this morning. This morning was kind of a combo meal of some of the signs of the coming of the Lord, a little bit about the rapture. A little bit about the judgment seat of Christ or the reward seat of Christ. We talked about the bonfire that Pastor Greg's going to have when he's at the reward seat of Christ. All that wood, hay, and stubble and the smoke will rise. What was that? No, we talked about that. And uh, we're just believing God he'll make some changes. Anyway, so let's, no, I, it's good to mess with him. Praise the Lord. Now I'm realizing it's actually Pastor Mike that's going to have the bonfire. It's not your son. God, woof, what was that? The compression of that explosion. No, no, no. So we got into a little bit of that, that we want to make our life count. We want to live for eternity. And isn't it wonderful we have an opportunity in a window of not much time, but right now, uh, the king's about to come back. You remember what Gabriel was standing there, and, and uh, he was talking to Daniel, and it looked so traumatizing. Gabriel was revealing to him facts about the tribulation period, and it kind of overwhelmed Daniel. And I like what Gabriel said. He said, don't worry, the Ancient of Days will prevail. Woo, hallelujah. The Ancient of Days coming back. Hallelujah. Amen. So all that's going on right now, as scary as it is for the world, it's a setup for us to see the entrance of the king, the entrance of Jesus into the earth. I know it's uncomfortable for, for a lot of people that don't know the word because they don't know really what, you know, what's going on, but everything is verses coming to pass right in front of our eyes. Wouldn't that be cool to go, okay, that verse is coming to pass? I mean, think about it. I didn't get into it this morning, but Israel is literally flying into Damascus once a week and bombing uh, Iranian missiles that they haul down into Syria to park on the border of Israel. Almost every single week. Last week, they did it again. Why is that a big deal? Isaiah 17.1 says that Damascus will be removed from being a city. You're going to wake up one morning here before we're raptured, and you're, you're going to go, hmm, something happened in Damascus, and it ain't there no more. Because they keep trying to haul all these weapons down there. And you watch, they're going to haul a nuke down there. And they're going to be messing with it and don't even know how to operate it. And they're going to accidentally set it off. And it's going to go kaboom. Sad for the people that live there. They need to get saved. Amen. So it tells me we don't have a lot of time left. I didn't talk even about that this morning because you don't have time to get into all of it. Our news doesn't even cover it. Event after event after event are different things coming to pass pointing to the coming of the Lord. I mean, you got the Ukraine uh, invasion by Russia. It's another one of the things that are getting them ready, having a highway, because they're going to invade Israel. So, man, it should preach to us, make changes in our lives. 
Jesus is just about to come. How cool to know the finish line's right there. So all this is not about escaping, which I'm, 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 I'm excited to be raptured because I'm not going to be here during the tribulation. You're not going to be here during the tribulation. But I am looking at the finish line, and it pushes me. I'm not going to look at the finish line and go, hmm, is that really the finish line? I've never seen a finish line like that before. I mean, that's kind of the church. Can we really be bold about that? I've never seen a runner go, what is that? They all know what it is. It's the finish line. <laughs> so as we approach all these things that point us that direction, what does a runner do when he sees the finish line? <sighs> no, he runs faster. He, he gets that kick, he, all that adrenaline, all that work uh, you, you've been practicing and exercising is for right there to, to accelerate. So let's accelerate. Let's accelerate. You know, I had a, had a famous minister say to me, Joe, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, you just get everybody's hopes up. I said, well, duh, that's right. It's the hope that purifies us even as we're pure. So there's something about him. He wants you hopeful. And, and Pastor Mike quoted it. He wants you happy and hopeful. Because your, your strength will be tied to your joy. If for some reason you're downtrodden right now, how are you going to accelerate if you have no power? It'd be like taking the motor out of your car. Well, we're not accelerating very good. Well, your engine's gone. Joy is the engine for your life. Hallelujah. Amen. So grab your Bibles, and you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. I'm going to do a couple minutes of review, and I've already gone a little bit. But let's go to Luke 21 again, and then we'll bounce off from there because i got some other directions to go. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all these people that came tonight. They, they drove from so far. Thank you for blessing their journey, their households, their jobs. Everything they set their hand to would prosper. I thank you for an awareness tonight, Father, in all of us, uh, the preeminence of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. By yourself, you purged our sins, and you sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. We will honor you throughout eternity over and over and over and over again for giving your life. We're in awe of your kindness. So we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. We lift you up, magnify you, and glorify you. Father, we thank you for utterance tonight. Say exactly what you want to say. We thank you for building up our, our, our bodies to do the will of God, our strengthening the body of Christ, Lord, that there'd be a wild move for the church to walk with God, demonstrate for God. Speak for God. Be God's spokesman all over the earth. We thank you for it. We give you glory. We give you honor and give you praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. You know, I didn't get into it this morning, but there's something about, you know, between Malachi and Matthew, there was 400 years of silence. Nobody speaking for God. No prophets. All of a sudden, John comes on the scene. And in the Old Testament, there really wasn't ever supposed to be prophets' ministry. The prophets' ministry was to pull Israel back when they hadn't done what they were supposed to do. Okay, So God had to raise up Elijah to do miracles and get Israel to come back. Well, all of a sudden, John the Baptist comes on the scene. And uh, uh, he's, the Bible says he's a burning and a shining light. <laughs> they said, are you a prophet? He said, nope. They said, are you the prophet? He said, nope, I'm a voice, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. But Jesus said about him, there hadn't been a greater prophet since him ever was or ever will be. But the least in the kingdom of God has got more anointing than John had. The Bible said he woke up a nation, yet he did no miracle. Now, how did he do that? He was a voice. He was speaking for the Lord. Just like in the New Testament, we don't have to have prophets go out and preach to everybody. He raised up the body to be a voice. That's why he said you'll have inspired utterance. You'll have things come to you that bypass your noodle. And what it'll be, it'll be about Jesus. He'll inspire what he's already said in his word about Jesus. So think it not strange that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's not weird or strange. It's just not saying things you hadn't even thought of. 
while you're witnessing to people. So we think it has to be like you have a bullhorn, you go out in the parking lot, everybody hears it. No, it's while you're getting a quarter pounder with cheese, large fries, and a Diet Coke. Oh, by the way, the Lord's coming back. I'll tell you how he's coming back, because I'm going to enjoy my burger and shout to my king, because he's coming back to the earth. No, take note of what the, the author of life is doing in the earth. And all of a sudden, you get into a vein of saying things you hadn't even heard of. It's prophecy. And you'll amplify what he did in, in Scripture. Hallelujah. What did he do in Scripture? He died for you, raised from the dead. His blood was shed for you. He purchased you. Hallelujah. So let's go back to Luke 21, and let's, let's go here and see that. I'm saying that because that gives us destiny. I don't have to have John the Baptist be raised from the dead to come preach right here. He raised you up. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All right. Praise, whoo, praise the Lord. All right, Mr. Campbell, I'll go preach to you. See, well, I, 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 see that's what happens is you, you, you the tag, you're it. You know, if we keep wanting God to raise somebody else up, guess who he raised up? You. Oh, Lord, send somebody to, to, to get everybody ready. He raised you up. Yep. To what? Get everybody ready for the coming of the Lord. Right. Just like John got everybody ready for the first coming, you're getting everybody ready for the second coming. Right. And we kind of skipped over a lot of that this morning, so let's go back to it for just a moment, and we'll get into Luke 21. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword. They'll be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times... Of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So he's talking about times. We talked about this morning. The demons screamed out, Have you come to torment us before the time? They knew he was on a schedule, but he was early. If demons can know where the schedule is, how much more the church? So Jesus ties timing to Jerusalem being won back. So in our lifetime, we got to see that. 1967. So cool. So as bold as that is, that that's already happened... It's kind of cool when you're witnessing somebody, you can be really bold because it's not waiting to happen. It's already been, been there, done that, happened. So then go down to verse 29. He'll get a little bolder. He says in verse 29, look at the fig tree and all the trees. That's the nation of Israel and the nations around Israel. He said, when they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, freak out and run into the woods. Don't. He's telling us these things. We said it this morning so we would know this, not wonder. He says, when you see these things come to pass, know, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now, that would be cool if you stopped right there. You go, wow, the kingdom's nigh at hand. Well, he doesn't stop right there. Look at the next verse. I'm glad he said this, not the church. He said, verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. What generation? The one that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem won back. So we're it. I've heard people do the math. I go, how, how can you figure the math like that? I don't have time to get into it, but you know what? Well, we're into it this morning in Daniel. When Gabriel counted when Jesus was going to come and ride into Jerusalem, he didn't count when Jesus was born. He counted in 30 A.D. when he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. So add 2,000 years to 30 A.D., what are you at? 2030. Back away seven years for the tribulation, you're at 2022 or 2023. We're there right now. Mm, mm, mm. I might shout a little bit. So I, hear, I used to, on my update, I'd go, I think we got a little bit more time. And people would email me. You should see the emails. Why do you say we, you feel like we have more time? Because I feel like we have more time. I don't say that anymore. We ain't got no more time. This is it. You're at the edge of the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. So watch what the Lord says. He, he, he's so smart. Look at verse 34. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unaware. So you can be living when all this is happening and you're caught up with what's going on. I like what the Message Bible says there. He said, uh, the, the sharp edge of your expectation, don't let it get dulled by shopping. 
We can get so busy with commerce that all the signs are happening, but we're oblivious to it. You work with people every day that don't have a clue about all the signs. So let's run through them because we went through a few of them this morning. You got the language, Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. Uh, I like all the things that have happened just in the last few months. You had the, the Dead Sea turn blood red, which is crazy, where Sodom and Gomorrah was. Even crazier, on the Day of Atonement. That was like eight weeks ago. Okay, crazy. You got foxes up on the Temple Mount, which is absolutely amazing. <laughs> You've got Rabbi Exakaduri prophesying that Israel will be ruled by two Benjamins. Last year you had Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz jointly uh, ruled together. Amazing. All these little things. The main thing, too, about the animals is you got the predatory birds. So you got fish in position, fish in the Dead Sea, birds, Russia going down into Crimea, and then this last couple of weeks going into the Ukraine. So all the players are moving where they're supposed to move. So, man, that should shake the church. It should be kind of a wake-up call. Like if the church was even slumbering a little bit, it would be like, okay, here we go. This is it because the Lord's about to come back. So if all these other groups, the Temple Mount Institute, birds, fish, all these things can get in position, what's the church do? We rally around a meeting together to worship and pray. We were talking about it maybe last night. I still believe right before the rapture, Pastor Michael go, you take the service 7 to 9, you take it 9 to 11, you take it 11 to 1, you take it 1 to 3, and we got church 24 hours a day. I think just before the coming of the Lord, we'll be gathering going, this is it. How many of your weddings caught you off guard? Boom, I'm married. No, it doesn't work like that. There's preparation and everything to get ready. Uh, same thing with the rapture. We'll, we'll, we'll have revelation. Wow, this is it. You won't go out and buy a Ferrari. You'll come to church and worship because you're about to have the entrance into the throne of God. The Bible says we're going to stand there on a, a sea of glass clear as crystal. Crystal is the only element that you can't hide a flaw. We're going to be flawless before the throne of God. Wow. We talked about it this morning. You're going to be caught up. You're going to be raptured. We'll, we'll, we'll see him as he is. He's able to subdue even all things unto himself. Wow. Amazing. We'll be caught up. Those <laughs> movies that were out in the early 70s, they may have scared a lot of people, but they got people talking about the rapture of the church. It's amazing that there's people in the world that do movies about the rapture and don't even know what they're talking about, but they know a change is coming. You got the walking dead. You got all this weird stuff. You got zombies. So they sense something's coming. They sense a resurrection because there is a resurrection coming. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So he tells us to comfort one another. So the teaching on the rapture of the church is to bring comfort, not confusion. He didn't say confuse one another with these words. No. He said comfort one another. So isn't it wonderful you don't have to be here during the tribulation? I didn't get into it a lot this morning, so we're still doing a little bit of review, but hang with me. I had one lady say she was excited about not being here to the trip. That's right. We don't want to be here, do we? Praise the Lord. I mean, you think about that seven-year period. It's pressure put on the earth for people to accept Jesus as their Messiah because some people are so hard-headed they won't, they won't accept until they got missiles flying at them. I've told you the story. I was preaching in, in, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. 96-year-old man right there. I, I gave the altar call. He raised his hand. I walked over to him and said, you don't even have to come down. I'll come to you. He got saved right there. His wife was right there with him. She'd been praying for him his whole life. His son was right there with him. He gets saved. I went to the airport the next day. Uh, Pastor Keith uh, Johnson called me. He says, it's amazing that 96-year-old man went home with the Lord last night. So you talk about sliding in. 
people have a tendency to wait to the very end. But how kind of the Lord to have seven years of fireworks. Can you imagine being here during the tribulation, somebody going, I didn't know what was going on. Hello, you got water turning to blood, you got asteroids, you got all this stuff happening just so God can get their attention. I've said it before in high school, I'd be dating girls. In the same place every day, I had a spot where I'd pull my car over, I'd open my trunk up, and I would shoot Roman candles off of the back. So I'd say, You can't say you didn't go out with me and didn't see fireworks. <laughs> so it, you do whatever you got to do get, to get someone's attention. So the Lord's trying to get their attention, but how sweet of him to have blood red moons, have Bethlehem star. I mean, you got all this stuff with the heavens. I mean, the Bethlehem star deal, that's a pretty big deal. A couple years ago, uh, NBC Nightly News, we have a celestial event, Jupiter, Regulus, Venus, Bethlehem star. First time in how long? 2,000 years. Wow. So it's all these celestial events, if you got into all the stuff that happened in 2017, we'd be here for two weeks teaching about all that stuff. The stuff about the, the woman clothed with the sun with a cluster of stars for a crown. I mean, it, it, she's, she's holding the baby. She holds Jupiter for exactly a nine months like a woman. And then the baby's born, and it's Jesus. And then it talks about the church coming up. That was all in 2017 that happened in the skies. But you don't have time to teach on all that. But once you go through all of it, you go, oh, my God, you're about to come back to the planet. So there should be a response in the church. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. There should be a praise. There should be an utterance. There should be a prayer life. There should be a joy. There should be an acceleration like we have never seen before to where people are almost freaked out because we're so happy. You remember right before you got married, you were excited. You weren't going, oh, here we go. We talked about it this morning. Oh, my God, it's tomorrow. No, there's an excitement about getting married. Come on. Hallelujah. Should be, anyway. <laughs> kind of an uh-oh moment there. Here we go. All right, so we went through all of that. And uh, you know, I'll give you one more before we get to what we're going to get into tonight. Man, it's taking me 25 minutes to get to what we're going to get into. But I won't preach long. Have I ever preached long? That's the number one thing people get mad at. You don't preach long enough. So I'm not going to go long, but I want to get into something here in a minute. But we'll get there. But one time I was in Israel. I was on Mount Carmel where Elijah was. I looked down over the valley and uh, there's an underground runway. F-16 comes shooting out of the hole in the ground. Now, you talk about freak out. I heard this jet spool up, and I'm like, I hear a jet. I'm up on the mountain. Uh, I'd taken a tour there, and we met up with another tour, and I hear a jet. I know what a jet sounds like. I love jets. Uh, in Tulsa, they got the Air National Guard. Those F-16s come buzzing through the, the, the runway. The whole building shakes. I'm thinking, glory to God, I love F-16s. So I'm up there on Mount Carmel. I hear an F-16. All of a sudden, it shoots out of a hole in the ground. I'm like, how bizarre is this? Told my buddy Tom DeMond, I said, man, I just uh, I saw this F-16 come shooting out of a hole. And I go, you're, you're crazy. Next thing you know, there comes another one. And so I said, no, I'm not crazy. There you go right there. So Israel has an underground runway right there where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. I mean, <laughs> Israel's ready. I mean, they're, they're beefing up to get ready for, for the seven-year period called the Tribulation. Wow. If you got into everything that was happening behind the scenes with all these Israeli men that are getting ready to have a spirit of supplication come upon them, they're going to step into that role, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and they're going to preach. Hallelujah. One of my buddies that came to Tulsa, he said, hey, I want to come talk to you. This is a Jewish man. He goes, I want to come talk to you about the Ezekiel 38 war. He, I go, you know about the Ezekiel 38 war? He goes, yeah. He goes, I know your doctrine. He says, I know that you guys in the church are going to disappear and God's going to hand off to us. I go, that's exactly right. And, and here this guy's friends with all these Word of Faith people. So it's all real. 
It's all real. I remember one of the times I was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, I'd taken my tour to meet up with this other tour again. And I'm in the Garden of Gethsemane thinking, man, this is the coolest because you've got the Temple Mount right there. You've got the Lord's address forever. It's just ominous to go, okay, that's where, if you're going to send the Lord some mail, uh, it'd be right there, <laughs> the, the Temple Mount of Jesus. So you're kind of overwhelmed by the, 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 the size of it and everything. And I remember the lady that had her tour, she was talking to me. She said, hey, Joe, would you do communion? I said, sure. So uh, I all of a sudden forgot where all the communion verses are. I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to kind of know where they are. This First 1 Corinthians 11, but I'm standing there getting ready to do communion. I'm like, I just went completely blank. I'm like, man, I can't remember where the verses are. I looked up over the temple mountain and had discerning of spirits happen, one of the nine different gifts of the spirit. And I saw into the spirit realm, and I saw angels and demons all over the temple mount. Freaked me out. And I knew it was the most active area of, of angels on the whole planet. And I told my buddy Tom DeMont, I said, dude, I just had an open vision. I said, I saw angels all over the temple mount. He said, you better shut up and get back to earth. you got to do communion. You know how your friends keep you grounded, you know? <laughs> Right about then, uh, the lady that had her tours, Billy Brim, she said, she said, an old prayer man, Phil Halverson from up in Minnesota, was standing right here at the Temple Mount and looked up, had an open vision, and, and saw angels right there over the Temple Mount, the most active area of angels on the whole planet. You know what that is? Jacob's Ladder. See, Jacob's Ladder's real. Amen. In other words, we think of some old rickety ladder, one angel's climbing up. No, no, it's a portal going up and down from heaven. I got back to Tulsa and on my wall. I have an etching in my, in my office in Tulsa, and it's of uh, angels going up and down a set of stairs. I thought it was sad that uh, Led Zeppelin hadn't figured out there's a stairway to heaven. <laughs> How come they haven't figured it out before the church does? I'm saying that because this is all real. We're, we're not following fables. You have event after event after event that God said would come to pass, came to pass in our lifetime. I'll give you one more before we go to where I'm going to go. Go to Matthew 24. You pick out the verses. But uh, where Jesus was talking there, and Luke, he said there'll be a spirit of seeing and a spirit of knowing on the church. Where'd that come from? Uh, Brother Hagin prophesied there'd be a spirit of seeing and a spirit of knowing on the church. You think of Jesus appearing to Brother Hagin's mother, said to name him John. She didn't name him John. Don't you love that? Name your son John. He'll have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming. How weird is that? And she's, and she, and not everything, but a part. I mean, look at Brother Hagin's ministry with no fanfare whatsoever going all over the world. The Bible schools that are all over the world right now are unbelievable. You speak in Geneva, you speak in Lausanne, you speak in Norway, you speak in uh, it, all over Italy. Probably 15 cities in Italy just because of Brother Hagin. Right. Maybe 20 cities in Germany just because of Brother Hagin. No fanfare. Okay? The Lord told his mother to name him John. She didn't name him John. She named him Kenneth. Guess what Hagin means in the Hebrew? One, to go before, to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. John the Baptist's definition. So right now, quietly, you've got, we could, you could call them fire bases, you could call them schools, all over the earth getting people ready for the coming of the Lord. Most of them exploded after Brother Hagin went home to be with the Lord, just like John the Baptist. Jesus' ministry went forward right after he went home. How wild is that? So we're privileged to be a part of all of this. Amazing. I think of even of Mark Brzee's schools over in Europe, uh, before the Rhema schools opened up, uh, this was in the, the late 90s, we were praying out, John's legs to the east, John's legs to the east, actually late 80s, John's legs to the east, John's legs to the east, talking about Brother Brzee's ministry. And the, the, guess what the names were of the people that went and did the schools? Uh, Tony and Patsy Caminetti went to Italy, Caminetti. John and Michelle Grunewald, that's my sister, uh, they went to Germany. Um, Chuck and Sheila Banks went to England. I'm trying to think of all the others. Uh, Tim and Vicki Kilstrom went to Sweden. 
All of their last names were indicative of the nations they went to. And Mark even said back then, he said, I see myself closing those schools down. And you know what? He closed them down and Ramah came in right behind him and, and had the structure to handle it. And all of a sudden the schools exploded. So you got Brother Hagin's ministry going all over the world, whether you're living in Des Moines or whether you're living in Oakland or whether you live in Nebraska, God's moving. You got children. Jesus is appearing to children all over Iran right now. You can't stop what's happening right now. Jesus is just about to come. So let's go get into this. Let's go look at Matthew 24. I want to look at a couple of things about the second coming for a minute. And I might kick into the millennium for about 20 minutes. We'll just see. We'll see where our time is. But go to Matthew 24 and look at verse 27. This is a, a, a Jesus' explanation of how radical the event of the second coming is going to be. Because you can go back in the Old Testament. Malachi has a picture of it. Uh, uh, Zechariah has a picture of it. Ho uh, Hosea has a picture of it. All the different pictures are amazing. Zechariah is my favorite. He says that at the second coming, you'll see men's faces melt away and their eyes will melt away in their sockets. Remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember that? The last scene in Raiders? That's where it's from, Zechariah 14. I mean, so that's a pretty graphic depiction of the second coming. So Jesus doesn't get as graphic as that, but let's watch and see what he says about what the second coming is going to look like. Because we know we're raptured seven years before this. Then you've got the seven-year tribulation. And then here we come back with him right here in Matthew 24. Look at verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow. Verse 29. Immediately after those days of tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. All the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. And he'll send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they'll gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So skip down to verse 37. He's going to get into some cool detail here. But as the days that were before the, 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 the Noah were, for the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So he gives you an idea of the climate, corruption and violence. Couldn't say that anymore, could you? It's just radical. Verse 38. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered in the ark, knew not till the flood came, took them all the way, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now he gives you a little bit of a glimpse of what the tribulation is going to be like. In the midst of, of waters turning to blood, asteroids hitting, people still want to date. They want to be given in marriage. They want to go out and they want to get married. They want, to, they want life as usual. So they're pressing for life as usual, even with asteroids and nuclear war. So Jesus is telling us this is what it's going to be just before the second coming. Now, we're not here. We're coming back with him at the second coming. Okay, We're in heaven at the reward seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb. But watch what he says here in verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Now, this is not the rapture. This is the second coming. It's the opposite of the rapture. At the rapture, the righteous go up. At the second coming, the wicked are plucked off the earth. Okay? Well, that, that, oh, here we go. That was, let's rewind. Here we go. Okay. At the rapture, the church goes off the earth. At the second coming, the wicked are plucked off the earth. Remember Jesus said, I'll let the wheat grow with the tares. And at the end of the age, I'll let the angels be the reaper. The angels are going to separate the wheat from the tares. Now, that's why a lot of verses we've put on the church that don't belong to the church. You were talking about this morning, the ten virgins. You say, if you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going up. He's not talking to the church there. He's talking to Jewish boys that need oil in their lamp. Why? Because they're not saved yet. The rules change after the resurrection. You're him. After the resurrection, you're him. Would, would, would Jesus need oil in his lamp? No. You don't need oil in your lamp. 
Boy, it gets quiet when you say that. Wow. Why? Jesus was fulfilling the law before he went to the cross, having to tell them, you need oil in your lamp, because he hadn't been raised from the dead. After he's raised from the dead, you're a part of his body. He's presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. I say that because I'll go into a church, and the secretary of the church will go, I, I think I drank the wrong kind of coffee. I don't think I'm going up in the rapture. And I'll go, well, I guess you got a bad strain of the blood of Jesus, because the strain I got made me perfect. Now, see, we think that's extreme. That's not extreme. That's Bible. People think that's bold. That's not bold. That's Bible. Oh, I might do Elvis on that one. Here we go. All right, come on. So he purchased you, redeemed you, and he owns you. He owns you. That's why when he says, come up hither, come up to the throne of God, you're going to be changed and you're going to rock it right up there, go to the Lord's seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb, and then you're going to view this event right here when the angels are separating the wheat from the chaff. What's cool about this is you've got 50%. Just like when Jesus was on the cross, one thief got saved, the other thief did not. So during the tribulation, half of the population of the earth is going to get saved. He gives you the percentage right there, 50%. That's, that's not that great for America, but for Germany, uh, Germany's got 3% saved. France has 1% saved. You go out in France, look around, everybody's going to hell. One person out of 100 is born again. So they're going to have a great, pretty, really good harvest. Thank God for that. The Bible says the harvest is innumerable. It can count a 200 million man army, but it can't count how many people get saved. That's a lot of people. Why do they get saved? The church has disappeared. The biggest sign you've ever seen. Clothes laying around everywhere. I don't care how sophisticated you are. I know they'll come up with an idea for it. But something happened. Yeah, Jesus came back for his church. Some people will scoff. People just scoff right now, even beforehand. Much less after. But you know what? It's going to be a wake-up call for the whole planet. So here Jesus is getting into a little bit of this. And let's go a little further. Go over to Matthew 25. You got your Bibles there? He shows you a little bit more. Matthew 25, look at verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, He'll sit upon the throne of His glory. Before Him will be gathered all nations. He'll separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He'll set the sheep on His right hands and the goats on His left. And this is the sheep and goat judgment. This is at the end of the tribulation. Now, why am I saying this? Because I hear preachers today say, uh, people go, well, Lord, I preach for you. He's not talking to the church there. He's talking to Jewish guys that are trying to weasel their way into the millennial reign of Christ and they've never been saved. So he's going to separate the sheep from the goats right here. saying, don't try to fake your way into the millennial reign of Christ. And he's going to judge them based on how they treated his brethren, Israel. Let's go down a little further. Everybody with me? Hmm. 30, verse 34, then the king will say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So here God's getting the earth ready for this natural kingdom that he's going to rule from Jerusalem. And right now he's raising up all these overseers to handle that thousand-year reign. The Bible says if you're faithful over so much, you'll rule over two cities or rule over ten cities. So whether we're comfortable with it or not, you're about to have a set of rulership over certain parts of the earth. That's why he wants us faithful now. That's why he wants us to learn his character now through his word, not through feelings. See, my, my father, your father, he, he, does, he doesn't have multiple personalities. He's not bipolar. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's mercy, he's kindness, and he's goodness forever. So he's put that in you so that regardless of how you feel, you know how your dad operates. Because you're going to be overseeing things for that thousand years. So let's kick into that for just a few minutes because it shows you your future. When you get to seeing what you're about to do, it makes you realize why God's put so much into us right now. He's so smart. Hallelujah. So go over, if you would, to Revelation. Let's look at Revelation for a little bit. We're going to go verse by verse for five hours. 
<laughs> pizza will be here at 9. We'll break for pizza, and we'll come back. I got a few. I got some grunts over here. I got some all rights over here. That's cool. All right. Look at Revelation 19. You know the verses. This is a wonderful picture of the second coming. Man, these are days of great change. Look at this. This, this is just radical. Look at Jesus here in Revelation 19. Verse 11, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Wow. The armies which are with him in heaven, that's us, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he smite the nations with it. He'll rule them with a rod of iron. You ought to circle that. He's going to rule the nations during the millennium with a rod of iron. That means there's going to be people that rebel. He's not ruling quietly. He's having to rule with something really strong. That's why he's raised up you to be rulers with him. So he says here, and uh, go a little further. He treads the winepress of the fiercest and the wrath of Almighty God. Hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. What an event that's going to be. We're going to come back with him uh, to, to the earth right behind him, watching all the inhabitants of the earth watch Jesus come right back to the planet. Amazing. Now go over to chapter 20. This is what we'll talk about for a few minutes because this is our future. Look at verse 1. This is the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ where Jesus sets up his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years, Lucifer's bound, and the church has oversight, a spiritual oversight, while Israel has a natural oversight. You'll have dual rulership. So look at chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven. I like this. One angel, not a team of angels. One angel is going to bind the devil. Don't you love that? He says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, the serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up, set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose for a little season. So he gives you what happens right there at the first part of the millennium. Lucifer's bound for a thousand years. I'm going to, if the Lord will let me, I'm going to get a violin and I'm going to go over there to that pit and sing a little song to him. How you doing there, pit dweller? I'm going to be as obnoxious as I possibly can. I'm going to go, uh, hey, I'm enjoying my glorified body. What are you enjoying? Oh, you're in the pit of hell. Oh, let's see, what am I enjoying? I just went to the marriage supper of the land. Oh, what are you doing? You're in the pit of hell. I mean, i got it coming to me right now. I could go all night. Come on. There's no end to it. I'm going to mess with him. Okay? So here at the millennial reign of Christ, what a cool time. It starts out where Jesus is on TV. Jesus is on the movies. you got perfect righteousness. You know how we like NCIS and, and we like law and order because we want perfect righteousness? It'll be a thousand years of Jesus ruling from Jerusalem. The movies will all be about him. The knowledge of the Lord will go all over the earth. It's going to be a wonderful thousand years. You're setting yourself up right now. In, in 2022 to be a ruler during that time. So let's get into it for a little bit. Let's go back and look. Go back to Isaiah 11 or Isaiah 10. You pick out an Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter, I think it's chapter 11. We won't go real long, but I want you to see this for just a little bit. We're going to get into what our jobs will be. Look at Isaiah 11. Watch what happens the moment the Prince of Peace is ruling the earth. Wow. Isaiah 11, chapter 5. Well, look at verse 4. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. It's page 785 if you've got a Bible like mine. Verse 4. But with righteousness he'll judge the poor, and he'll reprove with equity the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. This is amazing. 
And he'll, with the breath of his lips, he'll slay the wicked. Man. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down, the kid, the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. We've talked about this. You'll go to the park, and a kid will have a lion on a leash. And won't that freak you out? All of a sudden, you've you got kids playing with lions instead of dogs. Nature's changed the moment the Prince of Peace is there. Hallelujah. See, the Bible calls the Lucifer, when he's in a man, the mark of the beast, because he feels no remorse. These beasts will be altered the moment Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom. Hallelujah. Look what it says. Look how crazy this is. The suckling child shall play in the hole of an ass. The weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor, hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, man, it's going to be all about the king of kings a thousand years. I hear, this is what amazes me. Sometimes people think it's going to be boring. They think we're just going to worship for a thousand years. You'll have oversight, but really it's still a thousand years off for you. There'll be roller coasters. There'll be football. There's going to be sports. There's going to be commerce. Now, Natural people will be doing everything like they do right now, but there'll be no curse. The curse will be lifted off the earth, so animals are even different. And then he gives you some indication of what it's going to look like. Go to, go to chapter 30. Look what it looks like without the curse on it. Look at Isaiah 30. Man, you think a sunset looks good now. Wait till you see it without the curse here. It's going to be beautiful. Look at Isaiah chapter 30. Let's get, look at this other verse. This is so cool in verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. The light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days. And the day that the Lord binds up the breach of His people and heals the stroke of their wound. So nighttime is going to be like our day right now. Daytime is going to be seven times brighter. So there's just going to be light everywhere, life everywhere. Jesus ruling from Jerusalem. I believe He'll have a press, uh, well, not a press conference, but He'll have a, uh, what do you call the person that gets up for the president? I can't remember that lady's name. Anyway, uh, press secretary. The press secretary will get up every day and give Jesus his agenda. And Jesus will go, okay, he's going to show up in Baltimore. He's going to show up in Oakland. He's going to show up in Omaha. He might have a little gathering. Then he's going to show up in uh, London. And the press secretary will give his agenda for the day. It'll be just like it is right now, but Lucifer will be bound. And you'll go, hey, you know what? I haven't got to hear him speak locally. I'm going to head to London this afternoon, and I'm going to be in the meeting where the Lord is. This be awesome. It'd be so fun. Hallelujah. So amazing here. You know, uh, how many of you growing up, we played football. And then after football practice, you went home and played more football. And then you played till it got dark. And then when it got dark, you went to where there was a street light and you played kill the man with the ball underneath the street light. You'd have played all night if it was light. I mean, think about, I know what I'm going to do. I've told you this many times here at this church. I'm going to go to St. Andrews. I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews. And I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. I'm going to be translated to Pebble Beach and play golf. I'm going to be translated to Hawaii and play golf. Then I'm going to be coming right back to St. Andrews. I might play 24 hours a day for three or four days in a row because it'll not get dark and I'll never get tired. You say, you think you might want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to turn into a freak when I get my glorified body. It's good to be here. Glad to be with you, Lord. No, you... <laughs> You don't, you, what you are like now gets enhanced, not diminished. I mean, Pastor Mike might be 15 feet tall, as tall as he is right now. I mean, we get to heaven and go, oh my God, what is that? It's Pastor Mike. He and Shaq will probably be playing, playing basketball one on one, but I knew that guy when he was only 6'4. Come on. It's going to be a wonderful thousand years, wonderful thousand years. Let's go look at church for a minute because I'm trying to get to your, your job. I'll get to there in just a second. Let's go look at church. This is easy. Zechariah is right before Malachi. We know Malachi because of tithing. So go to Zechariah 14 for just a second because I want to get to your job here for just a minute before we dismiss. Zechariah 14. We just have wonderful things to look forward to. Wonderful, fun. 
And it's amazing how the devil tries to make people think it's not going to be fun, not going to be cool. It's going to be the coolest thousand years we could ever imagine. Wow. With Lucifer bound, the curse lifted off the earth. Wow. The movies we'll see, it's going to be so amazing. Look at Isaiah, uh, Zechariah 14. Sorry. Let's look at church. Zechariah 14, verse 16. And it shall come to pass of everyone that's left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. So see, people will make it through the latter part of the trib, and they'll enter into the millennial reign. They'll have kids, and when they reach the age of accountability, you'll be preaching to them. You'll go, there's Jesus right there. You need to get saved. Now hang with me. Those people will reject Jesus when they can see him. Most people will get saved, but some people reject him. That's why he's having to rule with a rod of iron. With the millennium, with Lucifer bound, <laughs> this is crazy. With Lucifer bound, here the Lord says, I'm going to let you choose me even without a tempter. The Lord wants you to choose him without someone even tempting you. But you'll have people that will miss it. So watch, here's church. Here we go. Verse 16. They'll, they'll go up from, from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it will be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, upon them will be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up, they'll come not, they'll have no rain. There shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So you'll have unbelievers go, it ain't worth it to go to church. Wow. The amazing thing is here, during the millennium, all, you, all the natural people have to do is hear him once a year, and it sustains them for the entire year. His words are so filled with life, that's all they need to hear is one message a year. Wow. But you'll have people go, oh, it's not worth it. Just like right now, eh, it's not worth it to go to church. Here, they, they, they don't get any rain. The Lord goes, hey, no problem. You don't have to come to church. You don't get any rain. How weird is that? Don't get any rains. Don't get any crops. Don't get any crops. Don't have any food. So the Lord's going to go, you need to come hear the word. <laughs> How bizarre is that? In this dispensation, if you, you don't come to church, it's like it's okay, you're under grace, but you need to hear the Word just to sustain you. Am I in the right room? So let's go look at our jobs. I've gone a long, long time to get to what I want to get to. Go to Isaiah something. You pick out the chapter. Chapter 65, 60-something. 60 now, now we'll get to just a few minutes of how cool this is going to be, and then I won't keep you. Look at Isaiah 65. This is amazing. This is the coolest thing ever. You're going to get a glimpse of what your job will be. Okay, right now, in this present dispensation, Lucifer has a certain amount of leadership or ownership because Adam gave it to him. You have principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. You have kind of sphere of influence. And what the devil's doing, he's copying what the Lord's going to do during the millennium. Because you're going to have a sphere of influence over a certain amount of cities, like a region. Just like when demons, you know, when the Lord would cast the devil out of somebody, they say, uh, don't send us away, let us stay in this region. So there's something about regional stuff that, that we like, okay? So with that, watch what the Lord says here in Isaiah 65. Skip down to verse 20. Here we go. This is getting to the part that's going to be fun. Verse 20. Then, then there shall be no more thence of an infant of days, nor an old man hath not fulfilled his days. For a child shall die a hundred years old. Talking about natural people. Not the, not the glorified ones. We're never subject to death again, never subject to sin, never subject to anything bad, okay? These are natural people during the millennium. A child will die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. They'll build houses and inhabit them. They'll plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. So a lot was said right there, which I want to back up for just a couple of minutes. So you'll have natural bodied sinners that they, go, they died 100 years old. They go, well, they died as a kid because they could have lived 1,000 years. Longevity's restored. But they're accursed. They go to hell. That sinner dies at 100, he dies and goes to hell just like people do right now. Indicating the natural-bodied saint 
The natural-bodied saint, hang with me, the natural-bodied saint's not subject to death because of your influence in, the, in implementing the kingdom of God. Okay, you'll have a natural-bodied saint. You're in a glorified body. You'll have a natural-bodied saint. He comes to your church. He's going to change out your, uh, uh, your, what do you call that up there, your projector. He gets a ladder set up, and he gets, climbs up there to mess with your projector. He slips and falls and breaks his neck. Okay, guess what happens? You've already seen it in a vision. That's called a word of wisdom. See, right now you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. You've already seen it in a vision. You walk right through the wall. You walk over to him and say, man, it's a good thing you live in the millennium. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And you raise him up right there because it's in you to raise people up. That's why you're frustrated right now because it's in us to do this all the time. That's what you'll be doing for a thousand years. You say, well, people who make mistakes during the millennium, they sure will. They're natural people. They'll have exactly what they say just like you and I have what we say. You see, maybe there'll be times that you'll keep it from happening, but the majority of time people are going to have what they say because that guy will probably say, you know, if I get up, climb up too high, I'll probably slip on the ladder and break my neck. Guess what happens? He slips on the ladder and breaks his neck, and you raise him up. So it's in you to do this your entire life. Paul said, why would you take a matter to court when you're going to rule angels? The word rule there is to mean judge. You're going to judge or have influence over a region and angels during the millennium. And the whole thing I talked about this morning, you've learned him through his word, so you'll judge honorably because you know how the Lord thinks. He doesn't have to appear to you right there and go deal with it like this. You'll know exactly how to deal with it. You say, well, I feel like I'll have a lot to do. No, it's going to be joyous. Absolutely joyous. Come on. I'll give you a couple. Hang with me. How many of you have ever been to Yuma, Arizona? You ever been to Yuma? Thank God we're not in Yuma tonight. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm glad we're in Oakland tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. I was in Yuma traveling with this prophet years ago. He had preached a little bit, you know, good service. At the end of the service, I was going back toward the book table, and I'm walking back toward the book table to get stuff together because the service is closed, and all of a sudden I have a vision. I see the pastor of that church in a push-pull airplane. That's an airplane that has an engine going this way and an engine going that way. It's called a push-pull. Kind of bizarre to have a twin-engine plane like that. Well, I see him, and I see this pastor in this push-pull, and the, and the plane's in a dive. There's papers flying up in that plane. The pilot's pulling back on the yoke of that airplane. It's in a dive like that. They're, they're panicking. It doesn't look good. I knew exactly what it was. It was a word of wisdom. I'm like, oh, dear Lord. So I go back to the book table. We're getting ready to go to Denny's to get a Grand Slam, get some bacon, sausage, and, you know, pancakes. And uh, so I'm thinking, i got to say something to this pastor when we go to Denny's because I, I know what this is. It's a word of wisdom, a warning for the future for this pastor. We get to Denny's, and we're sitting there. I haven't had a chance to say anything yet. He goes, hey, I'm going flying tomorrow. Man, my ears perked up. He goes, I'm going to what's called a push-pull. I'm like, oh, my God. He goes, yeah, I'm going to what's called a push-pull. I'm sitting there going, nah, 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 what am I going to do? So I sat there for a few more minutes and said, hey, pastor, before we came over here at the church, I saw you in a push-pull. I saw your pilot. I, know what it, I saw how his hair is, his glasses he's wearing. He goes, yeah, that's my pilot. I said, don't freak out. Don't be afraid. Just before you go flying with him, I'd get checked out. He went the next day. He went in and talked to them. That guy had lied, said he had all his checkout rides in a push-pull. He'd never flown a push-pull. You have to have a checkout ride in a push-pull. Well, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. If that's tasting... Think of what you're going to be doing for a thousand years. You talk about a fulfilled life for a thousand years? Come on. You're going to be functioning in all this. I'll give you another one. I've told you before. I remember years ago, Lauren went with me. One, her senior year in high school, I went, took her with me on the road as many places as I could because she had so many activities and all that. It's hard to go on all the things that you want to go on. But one time I took her out to California with me to a church I was preaching in. And as we walked in, I had a vision. I saw a guy that looked just like Robert Redford. He had his hands around the throat of the pastor upside down like this. And I knew that he thought he was over the pastor. And I told Lauren, I said, man, there's a guy there. He looks just like Robert Redford. He's choking the pastor with his hands upside down like that. And Lauren goes, that's weird, Dad. I go, yeah, that is weird. So we got there in the back room. The pastor came walking in. 
As he came walking in over there, I said, hey, it was a friend of mine. I know him real well. I said, hey, you got a guy in your church. He looks just like Robert Redford. I said, he's got his hands around your throat just like that, like he's choking you. He thinks he's over you. He goes, that's right. We're getting ready to start this other church. That guy told me, I'm not going to let you start that church. I think he was afraid he was going to lose his pastor, but he goes, I'm not going to let you start that church. My buddy undid the collar of his shirt, showed me his neck. He had a rash. This pastor had a rash on his neck because he was under so much pressure from that guy trying to choke him from, from doing the will of God. So we walked in the, through the side door right there. Lauren and I, as we walked in to come speak, I saw him sitting over there. I said, Lauren, look, there's the guy right there. He looks just like Robert Redford. Isn't it good that God knows everything? So, so I got up and began to preach, thus saith the Lord, he who looks like Robert Redford. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I talked about the plan and the purpose of God for this pastor's life. He, he, the purpose of God for his life is to build and to plant. You can't subdue that. You might as well jump in with him and help him build and plant. And that anointing will get on you, and you'll want to build and plant more than you've ever built and planted before. Now, see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So if tasting can alter a church... How much more your whole life for a thousand years? You've got absolute radical things to look forward to. We're not done at the rapture. I hear all these people go, well, I don't want the rapture to come because I've got so much in my spirit. Of course you do. You're going to be ruling and reigning for a thousand years. There's going to be roller coasters. You talk about ro cool roller coasters. I was preaching somewhere in uh, Nebraska. Uh, what's the name of the town I was at? With, with Tim Kilstrom. Tim Kilstrom was preaching past. Grand, the Lord said, tell them they've never seen a roller coaster until they see one during the millennium. I'm like, what? I even caught me off guard. I said, you ain't seen a roller coaster until you see one in the millennium. And everybody kind of gets quiet, like, people really want to be on roller coasters? Yes, we like to go fast and like to have fun. We're not going to turn into weirdos when we get to heaven. We have that tendency. Oh, oh you mean a roller coaster? We'd want to ride on a roller coaster? Look how religious we are. I'm going to want to get on that roller coaster, and I'm going to tell them to max it out. Because I'll be in a glorified body. I'll say, you can't hurt me. Let's do it. Let's go. Come on. Put the pedal to the metal, buddy. And all those natural people are going, oh, my God, don't go that fast. Let's go. We Look how Lucifer, especially to young people, they think they're going to miss out on something. They're not going to miss out on anything. We're, we're not finished at the rapture. So don't think, well, the rapture is getting ready to happen. And we're, next thing you know, we'll just float around heaven. No. No, 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 no. Normal, 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 normal. Normal, 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 normal. Everything about him is cool. That's what I was talking about doing that moonwalk. I was talking about, I believe even Jesus taught Michael Jackson how to moonwalk. I'm not going to do it again. I did it in this one church at Hattiesburg. Stop, help me, Lord. Stop me. Stop me. <laughs> so this is your future. This is your future. You're going to rule and reign. That's why we should learn this now. Romans chapter 8 said, don't wait till you get your glorified body to cooperate with God. Cooperate with God before you get your glorified body. How much easier it'll be when you're in a glorified body. I'll give you one more. I could give you many, but I've told you this one many times. This one's just crazy. Uh, we were in Tulsa. We were living in California. We moved back to Tulsa, and we were at Winter Bible one night. We were having a birthday party for my nephew, Zach, John and Michelle's son, Zach Grunewald. So we went over to some friends of ours' house, and they had a kind of a circle drive. And with the circle drive, I couldn't go any further because there were so many cars there. So I told Lauren, my daughter, and Colleen, my wife, I said, you guys go in that door right there. As I pulled in like that, I'm going to back up this way. So I turned to back up. I looked behind me over there, but I didn't look in front of me because I'm not going forward. Well, Colleen had seen some kinfolks of ours in the window and kind of stood right there. Well, I didn't know. I backed the car up like this and ran the front tire up over Colleen's leg. I ran over her. She fell on the ground, started screaming. 
Man, I knew exactly what it was. I just ran over Colleen. This is not good. I jumped out of the truck, came over there, and Colleen's laying on the ground screaming. Cats and dogs, kids came running up. Colleen is screaming bloody murder. I came over to her. I said, I command your ankle and your legs right now to be healed in the name of Jesus. I said, get up. And she looked at me like, have you lost your mind? I said, get up. I grabbed her hands like that, picked her up. The power of God went up and down her body like, a, like this heat was reading her body. She goes, oh, my God, this is real. I'm like, hey, man. So we stood there for a couple minutes. And, you know, I couldn't speak English. I was like, nah, nah, nah. I literally was doing goat boy. I mean, I tried to talk. I couldn't even talk. I was like, nah. I was like, my sister goes, how are you doing? I went, nah. went, fine. I was so freaked out because I just ran over my wife. We, we walked into the party, and I'm just kind of twitching and doing, doing all this kind of stuff, you know. And she had no pain. The next day, I went to Daytona Beach, Florida to preach. She went back to California, no pain whatsoever. See, that, that's tasting. That's not the power of the world to come. That's ta- if tasting can be that good, how many of you been to Costco or whatever, they hand out little taste of stuff? You don't want a little taste of it. I don't want a little chunk of it. I want the whole pizza. Come on. It annoys me to get a piece of it. I want the whole thing. We should almost be annoyed with how limited we are now, but you should take heart that you're about to enter into a whole new phase for your life. Jesus is just about to come. You're going to be up at the sides of the north, the city of the great king. You'll be singing, great is the Lord. Come on, great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Come on. Beautiful for situation. The city of our God. The mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation. Joy of the whole earth. Wow, I almost sang a song from 1967 right there. That that goes back, doesn't it? Joy of the whole earth. His Mount Zion on the sides of the north. The city of the great king. You're going to the city of the great king. Oh, come on, everybody in the Bible, when they saw it, they hit the ground. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. This is our future. We're about to be rocketed off the planet. We go to the reward seat of Christ, marriage, supper of the Lamb. We come back and have a thousand years of cool reigning. Roller coasters, motorcycles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know how we'll communicate telepathically, uh, get with Pastor Mike and his 15-foot body and go, Hey, Pastor Mike, let's go to the Alps and let's go ride motorcycles. We'll show up in Switzerland. We'll do the Matterhorn on Harleys. <laughs> Maybe we go for two days, not get tired. Maybe we have a plutonium Harley. I don't know. Maybe our plutonium's nuclear. We never have to stop for gas. Who knows? It'll be cool. So, see, so we're not going to have weird times. We'll have joyous times. But we will honor the king. So with the time that we have left, well, how much time do we have left? Not much at all. Let's try to get as many people saved as we can. Let's push to get people born again. Let's, be, I'm saying be obnoxious. You know, used to I say, don't be obnoxious. I've changed. Be obnoxious. <laughs> Go to Revelation 20. We'll close with this right now. Man, we got to stop. 729. Help me, Jesus. Revelation 20. You know the verse. Look at this. Revelation 20. Verse number 7, this is amazing at the end of the millennium. Revelation 20, verse 7, When the thousand years are expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. He'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the numbers of the sand of the sea. So with you ruling for a thousand years, Jesus ruling from Jerusalem, you have a number as the sand of the sea that still rebel against him, that don't choose him. That blows my mind. They went up on the, the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That's the last rebellion right there. So you happen to be in the sliver of time at the end of the church age where so much counts for right now. 
because you're making preparation for the next thousand years. You're making preparation for your rulership, making preparations for the size city that you're over. Don't get freaked out about what you're going to be doing. Just, it's just going to be joyous. So with the time we have left, let's give it our all. Not 100%, not 150%, 500%. Amen. He loves you, loves you, loves you, loves you. He can't wait to show you all this stuff. He's just excited about going, check this out. It's going to be awesome. Maybe, maybe your Harley have 5,000 horsepower. I mean, think about that. The Lord's going to go check this out. Start this baby up. Yeah, there we go. Now we're talking. 10,000 horsepower. Amen. Amen. He loves you. The Lord told me a while ago there's someone here. you got restriction in the back of your throat. It's almost like you feel like you're choking. You almost had a fear. You watch it's opening up right now. The devil's a liar. Amen. And someone, you, I know this common or whatever, but you got trouble with your lungs. You got some kind of trouble with the expansion of your lungs. I don't know what it is, but you're healed. Devil's a liar, pants on fire. Someone, you, this is common as well, but I, I had it come to me. I've learned not to even think about it. Just call it out whiplash. Whiplash. I was at Monty's church. I had a word that someone can't write. Never even heard of that. Called it out, said, you're healed. After the service, I was talking to some friends. This man come walking up. He's bawling. And I go, I go, what is it? He goes, I've never written before in my life. I have a disease, kind of like dyslexia. He goes, I've never written before in my life. He said, you called that out, and I wrote a poem about the coming of the Lord. I mean, and, and here, I've never heard of that word of knowledge. I've had the weirdest words of knowledge. One time in Montgomery, uh, Alabama, I saw two elderly women fist fighting like this, swinging their arms just like this in the parking lot, like up in their 80s, hitting each other. Whack, whack. I'm like, and while I'm preaching, I said, man, at the end, I said, hey, there's two ladies here. You fighting in the parking lot. You need to go tell the other one you're sorry. I went back to the book table. These sweet elderly women come walking up like this. They were, we, we were the ones hit. I said, I know. I recognize you. They were, they were roundhousing in the parking lot just like this. They weren't going like this. They were swinging like this. It's just funny. See, he loves them that much. He doesn't want the, their friends hitting each other in the parking lot. Just weird words of knowledge. He knows everything about you. He wants you fulfilled. He wants you happy. He wants the time on the earth right before you leave to be filled with such a joy of the plan of God for your life. So lean into Him. Lean into Him. Hunger and thirst you'll be filled. Hunger and thirst you'll be filled. Let's thank Him before we go. Father, we are so grateful You died for us, that You sent Your Son to be beaten for us. We're amazed at Your kindness and Your goodness, Lord. Wow. Thank you for healing someone inside of your mouth, sores on the inside of your mouth. Be gone right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for that, Father. Thank you for that. Someone, you got symptoms of arthritis? It's mainly in your hands, your joints in your hands. Arthritis, you leave their body right now. You're trespassing on God's property. I thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord, for healing that person's heart. There, the, uh, there, there's a node you have that adjusts your heart rate. Lord, thank you for adjusting their heart rate. Uh, thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We magnify you, glorify you. We bless your holy name. We're so grateful. Man, we, we anticipate, Father. We anticipate being with you. So we worship you. We give our hearts to you tonight because we love you. Father, all these folks are communicating how much they love you. They came from so far away and they came on Sunday night. I thank you for blessing them. Bless them. Strengthen them, Lord. I thank you for it. Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Th thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. 
you know, and while I'm hanging out for just a second, I just hang out for a minute, just make sure I don't miss a miracle or I miss the Lord wanting to encourage somebody. I don't want him to, you know, he just, he just appreciates you taking the time to come. You're super busy and you came to hear the word, so he loves you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Let's thank him one more time. He's so good. Lord, we magnify your goodness. We magnify your mercy. We magnify your goodness. And we magnify your mercy. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. We honor you tonight, Jesus. Jesus, we're in awe that we're about to see you face to face. Be lifted up, Lord. Be lifted up. Thank you for the young people, Lord. Thank you for all the young people that came tonight. Thank you for giving them a a hope of their future and a glimpse of their future, Lord. Thank you for it. The hand of the Lord upon their lives. Thank you for it, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless your holy name. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You know, I hear the Lord say sometimes, you know, sometimes you could prophesy, sometimes you could do tongues interpretation. There's so much great things on the edge of the horizon for us that it would behoove us just to, to be expectant about it because it's going to overwhelm us how good it is. You know what I mean? You could almost prophesy it, but it's, it's so radically cool. You just go, if I could have been explained to that, how cool that is, I, I almost wouldn't believe it. It's going to be that good. Think about how much fun there is just, just around the corner for all of us. Wow. So let's go for it. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I want to turn over to Pastor Mike. And uh, I sure appreciate you taking the time to come. We'll see you again soon. Can't wait to see you again. Can't wait to see you in the air. Won't be long. We'll be up there together. And we'll be overseeing for a thousand years. Give Pastor Mike a big hand as he comes. Thanks, Pastor Mike. Thank you for coming tonight. That's sweet of you to come.